Peace, blessings, love, light. Welcome to episode two of the Cosmic Medicine Journey. Episode one was a brief introductory episode to the show, to myself, and I hope that you can expect. Uh, this episode is the first full episode, which involves an interview with Arash Javadi. Uh, really needs no introduction, but I'll give you more of an introduction of him at the conclusion of my intro uh, before we get started with that. Uh, I do want to thank you for joining me and also just want to do a couple of house cleaning things before we talk about the vernal equinox. Uh, one is that I will be releasing a show at the beginning of the Zodiac months every month, so for the 12th zodiac seasons. I'm referring to them as seasons because I identify these periods as seasons. So that would mean there's 12 seasons in the year. Ayurveda identifies six seasons in the year, but I do think that there are nuances between, for instance, December winter versus January winter, July summer versus August summer, etc. And so we get into the nuances. My original intention for this show was to actually not do a show. I wasn't really intending on doing a podcast, but a course. I uh, wanted to put my background in education. I worked as a creative writing teacher for uh, several years in Brooklyn and also uh, throughout the city and also supported other uh, teachers and uh, schools in being more aligned with a creative process and engaging with curriculum and education. So I wanted to merge that with my path as a yogi medicine man uh, doing ancient uh, treatments and balancing people by way of their unique elements. Uh, and so you can learn all about that more on my website. Once I get everything up and running, I'm kind of revamping uh, a lot of the old stuff I've had. So the stuff I've used for the past 15 years in clinically supporting people by way of the use of Ayurveda and yoga therapy uh, will now shift a little bit more into this kind of realm of ritual and spirituality while I'm still kind of grounded and steeped in uh, this ancient medicine system that I continue to practice. Uh, so just wanted to presence that. Uh, so the other thing is, please, please, please bear with me as I kind of get some of the equipment and uh, things like audio right. I know that could be really frustrating when I'm listening to a podcast and the audio is off, etc. Uh, originally, I was going to just put it off and wait till I got everything just right and perfect. And one of the things I would often uh, find myself saying to my students was, beware of the three Ps, which are perfectionism, which leads to procrastination, which leads to paralysis. And in, the, in turn, nothing gets conveyed, nothing grows, there isn't dialogue happening, there isn't growth happening, and you kind of stay stuck uh, in your room, in your head. And we all know that uh, what that can lead to, especially over the course of this past year, as a lot of people have been uh, hermetically sealed by way partially of a pandemic and also uh, partially by way of this fear that's been kind of growing inside of a lot of people. Uh, so uh, with that said, I will also be setting up a Patreon. I haven't done that yet. Aresh does offer some Patreon offerings. And so I'll make an announcement in subsequent episodes when that becomes available. Uh, so again, bear with me. And if you're somebody who is tech savvy or social media savvy, and those are things that you're interested in and you'd love to collaborate 
please feel free to reach out to me. I'm down for collaborations and being part of team, community. And that's really the mantra for this show is community health. Our health is essential. Our self-love is essential. But uh, if it's done in a way that's just about us and uh, not about those around us, then we're likely to suffer which we see a lot of in terms of the rapid rise in psychotropics and uh, addiction that a large swath of the American population is suffering from, uh, which is likely to be a trend in the world as America culturally sets trends. Uh, So something to consider. So welcome to uh, the Vernal Equinox. We've made it uh, spring 2021, the Equinox representing the Eek. Uh, which is the uh, equanimity, the equality of day and nox, night. And so this is a time to consider uh, what would bring you greater equanimity, what things in your life are off balance, and what seeds you need to plant now uh, so that, as the expression goes, you can reap what you sow. So what is it that you'll sow uh, during this season? as there's more light, as we kind of come into what many ancient traditions have recognized as the resurrection, the death being the death of the sun uh, during the winter solstice. And then three months later, we're kind of now coming into this uh, period of growth, of coming out of uh, our dormancy, Uh, our hibernation, et cetera. We see that in uh, animal life. We see that in plant life, et cetera. So now you might notice that plants are now starting to vegetate. You'll start seeing foliage, uh, and that's a sign of them kind of shooting out the rays of life uh, from their roots now into uh, their branches. So these are things to observe as we observe ourselves in time and space and we develop ritual. If you're a part of a community that observes and has a ritual during and rituals during this time of year, that's beautiful. If you aren't, hopefully some of what I'll be going over in this interview uh, can support you in that process. And that's ultimately the idea with this show is to support the alignment of us in time, space, in the cosmos, and in a space of community. As uh, when we share these rituals, then there's we're more likely to hold, be held accountable by them and to hold each other accountable and also develop greater uh, sanctimony around uh, these periods, these junctures of space-time, and thus making it uh, holy occasions, and the holidays become more uh, meaningful than just days to shop. Uh, Ancient cultures have celebrated the vernal equinox uh, as a period of fertility, as a period of uh, deification. For instance, in the Anglo-Saxon tradition, the uh, goddess Astara, was celebrated. Astara was the goddess of fertility, and she was often depicted with a rabbit as well as eggs. So the eggs that we continue to practice, and that was adapted by way of the Anglo-Saxon adoption of Christianity, continued to uh, exist. And so this is, uh, has seen a resurgence, especially resurgence, especially in the Wiccan community and some other pagan uh, uh, traditions and communities uh, throughout the European diaspora. In Samaria, 
there was the there is the story of Tammuz and Ishtar, which represents the resurrection Sumeria, referring to what's currently the Iraq Iran kind of fertile crescent uh, region. Uh, among the Mayans, there was the celebration of the return of the sun serpent, uh, which is seeing a resurgence uh, in Mexico at a pyramid in El Castillo uh, during the vernal equinox. In Japan, a tradition that continues to be practiced for Shunbun no Hai, which is the vernal equinox, is a communing with the ancestors. So it's a day of uh, connecting with uh, those who have uh, passed. And that often is practiced in graveyards. And of course, in the Indian subcontinent, we have uh, the traditions of Holi and many regional traditions like uh, Poila Bashik in Bengal, uh, which includes Bangladesh and the Indian portion of Bengal, uh, West Bengal, uh, and among uh, the uh, Vedic traditions and people who identify with Hinduism. There's Holi. Holi is something that many people might be familiar with, with the festivity of colors, where people throw uh, paint, powdered paint, etc. And you see those dusts of clouds of uh, orange and pink and uh, all kinds of beautiful colors uh, kind of uh, engulfing the sky. And so that's uh, also an honoring of uh, the vernal equinox. The tradition we'll be focusing on today, uh, partially due to uh, its con uh, contiguousness, is Noruz. Uh, Noruz, I just want to also just mention that I was pronouncing this word wrong pretty much throughout the whole interview. And then at some point when we had a little bit of a technical difficulty and we had to shut the audio off, I asked I asked uh, Arash if I was pronouncing Noruz right, and he was just very kind, and he was like, oh, no, you know, there's different ways of pronouncing it, uh, but Noruz is the proper way. I was saying Nauruz, uh, and of course that kind of uh, is endemic of and revealing of my gringoness, and so certainly want to acknowledge that, uh, you know, you can be any shade any, of any cultural background and you know we're all affected by where where we're raised and so just want to acknowledge that but uh so Noruz has is a celebration throughout the Persian diaspora it continues to be a national holiday in Iran but is also observed in most of the stans including Kazakhstan Uzbekistan Afghanistan Kyrgyzstan as well as some of the Turkic uh diasporas including Turkey and uh, also uh, Kosovo, etc. Noruz is honored during the vernal equinox. It's uh, celebrated for 13 days and it is uh, you it uses a combination of fire of uh, a specific uh, setup of uh, an arrangement of food uh, which includes seven different uh, types of food uh, which have different uh, symbolic representations etc and so Aresh will be going over all these things Aresh Javadi is a artist, an activist, a community gardener, a person who holds the earth in great reverence. And if you are part of 
any of these communities, the nexus of any of these communities, of the communities of reverence for Mother Earth, of community gardens, of arts and activism, of puppeteering, of cycling and engaging with the streets in a way that live the alternative that we want to see in the world. And talk instead of just talking about we need to deal with environmentalism, taking uh, that on by uh, cycling and encouraging other people to Arash has been at the forefront of many of these movements, and I don't use that term lightly. Uh, he's someone that I've known of peripherally and have had interactions with over the uh, past few decades. Uh, he started uh, and has been in leadership in the community gardens movements uh, post the whole burnt down episode of the ni- post 1970s kind of dystopian New York City, uh, which is the period when New York City kind of got its rep as this really violent and dangerous city. And so Aresh uh, is someone who kind of comes out of that like a phoenix. And uh, instead of just developing and having developers building these huge high rises in every nook and cranny, uh, having some of these spaces that were just abandoned and used as uh, garbage dump areas informally as community gardens to build greater reverence and relationship to the earth for people who live in this uh, deeply steeped concrete jungle, but also for building deeper relationship to one another by way of the land. And I've personally seen the impacts of this firsthand. Uh, My brother and some other people in my neighborhood were uh, very instrumental in building a community garden here. And my mom's part of that community garden. She has a little Uh, plot here along with many other people in the community who otherwise would not have access to a garden because we don't have backyards, us living in apartments and buildings, etc. And it's created deep community bonds. Uh, So I'm excited about Arash kind of sharing this ancient tradition uh, by way of not just his background as Persian, as Iranian American, but as somebody who actually practices these rituals and has shared them with the community over the years. So without further ado, uh, let's go to this interview with Arash. Arash Jovadi, an honor to have you here in the Cosmic, the Cosmic Medicine podcast show. Uh, you are an inspiration for uh, the entire activist movement, but especially in regards to presencing Mother Earth in one of the densest concrete jungles uh, in, in the world, New York City. Uh, And so I've been fortunate to be in your presence through most of my life, uh, hearing about you, hearing about your work, and also experiencing the fruits of your work. So what I wanted to start with, Arash, is there's so much to you. I mean, you're so complex, you're so layered. Uh, In presencing this particular juncture, of where we are in space-time, where we are in the cosmos in terms of our our Earth, and where we're rotating into with the vernal equinox. I was wondering if you could walk us through uh, Naruz, uh, this ancient celebration uh, that continues today, uh, not just in Iran, but throughout the Persian diaspora, including a lot of the Stans, uh, Turkmenistan, Kyrgyzstan, etc., etc. Yeah, no, thank you so much for uh, kind of grounding that and uh, in the same time as kind of giving the perspective, the larger picture of, you know, for, for you know, lack of, uh, uh, or for, for bringing up words of like 
kind of putting us in place of mm-hmm. in the larger world we are, where who we are, and what we're doing on this planet, mm-hmm. and how each one of us is kind of uh, working through their own inner work as well as the outer work that we're doing in this gift of body, time, space that I'm in. Mm-hmm. I'm very grateful to be on this journey at this moment with you on this wonderful podcast of, thank uh, you. that you have given the opportunity to. Uh, so thank you. Thank you. And, it, you know, uh, I think just like spring and, uh, and, and you know, again, I, I was born in a very specific place as mm-hmm. you uh, were calling that space is, uh, is like, uh, it's high altitude, so the, the plateau of like where Iran presently is and, you know, it's had so many variation of borders and uh, uh, spaces. And I'm sure before the more patriarchal systems, there were uh, matriarchal systems which were much less like border-like and warlike or uh, capitalistic, however you want to call it, materialistic, mm-hmm. but more nurturing. And um, I get a lot of inspiration from that. Um, I get a lot of inspiration from that aspect that was closest to what I could say a forest would be, where, you know, people are like, oh, a forest is so dangerous, there's animals eating each other, and all that, you know, everyone's like uh, <laughs> fighting, fighting for resources. And just in the recent time, uh, uh, you know, when people have really deeply studied it, and I'm sure, you know, many people already know this, uh, uh, is that actually the forest itself, especially the, the, the woods and the trees and the plants work so symbiotically and in hand in hand. And the mother tree, like the biggest tree, actually finds out where the other trees need. And through the rhizome fungus system, they tell each other and send the potassium that the fungus uh, creatures can actually pull out of stone and then send to the tree that needs the potassium and gives it that nurturing thing. So they're all talking together. They're actually very supportive. And the mother trees tend to be watching out. Right. Yeah, I know there was some a good deal of research. I'm forgetting the, the woman's name at the moment who led the research in a forest, I believe, in Oregon, which has one of the largest bodies mm-hmm. of a body of mycelium. Yeah, I, yeah, yes, and, and they are the one of the largest bodies of like connected uh, living. And again, you know, I I, I kind of say uh, like to me also like uh, uh, Juan Martinez also brings it. There's a sense of like, well, what is living? What's not living? Is a rock not living? And mm-hmm. we are living. And so for me, you know, seeing everything having some life of its own, mm-hmm. even though it might take over. A, you know, a millennium versus us kind of in this time that we call like whatever it is, 90, 100 years uh, that we live in, and, you know. So so coming back to, yeah, this this kind of a connectivity, I've been very inspired by that. And, and I really feel like people, human culture can learn a lot from that particular way of how. So let's say, I have resources or I know of somebody who has the resources and then somebody needs it and we by whatever systems we have bring that system to those who need it and share it and love, you know so that's a lot of support supporting and you know like, like who, who gets the most and that system which is kind of driven our planet to kind of uh, almost rejecting our 
uh, life system because you know the life itself will continue going on and and without us with or without us but it's really it's our spirit figuring out if we're willing to be in a place to kind of connect to the bigger picture and support each other in continuing our existence on this planet Mm. Uh, so i think that's the uh more of a like a, a searching side of each one of us how we can do that for ourselves and as we kind of connect to that knowing that we are connected to all around us sharing that and kind of connecting and the larger picture so coming back to Nauru spring and this beautiful magical kind of balance of time uh uh, and again, uh, you know, not to make any other moment more important than this one or that one. And also recognizing that there is this kind of a shift on our whole earthy uh, spin and to the, you know, void of these gorgeous, uh, uh, you know, planetary systems. Um, we do have that when uh, the sleep time of the tree and the nature and the animals and uh, start shifting into more of a uh, growing kind of a, a speeding up and you know uh, us as humans and hormones and all sorts of things coming to life in a different you know or, or shifting the life energy in a much uh, 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 I would say regenerative way mm-hmm. at the time of spring. Now going back to Iran uh, and that that particular landscape where. Iran, the country exists now, and all the beauty around it. Uh, it is, it is, a, it's, it's a kind of a very kind of a, each one of the seasons is really pops up again, depending on where in Iran you are. So if you're in the Gulf, it tends to be hotter and humid and uh, more uh, uh, extreme heat. You go all the way up to the Caspian Sea or up into the mountains. And it becomes like you can, you know, you're skiing or whatever up there, uh, snow, and uh, and, and it, it does shift to more of a colder climate. Um, uh, at the same time, it, it it has because of the way I guess the uh, Indian uh, subcontinent that used to be a, a, an island crashed into the continent of Asia, pushed up and created these enormous mountains. The Everest, uh, the, uh, the Himalayans, and then all, going all the way through Iran, there is an uplifting space in Iran, which is like quite considerably up into the central area. So I was born in Abadan, which is down by the Gulf, and then eventually went to Shiraz, uh, uh, northwest uh, of uh, Abadan, at higher altitude, much more distinct uh, 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 seasons. And uh, the town and the city uh, where a lot of poets, a lot of uh, amazing gardens grow. Uh, and so that, and I could see how the poets were so inspired by this uh, uh, vibrancy and asking questions, who we are, what are we here, and uh, singing songs to the, all the plants. And, and you're talking and about in Shiraz specifically in terms of the city of gardens and poets, as you put it. Yeah, and spring comes in like such a surge. Uh, so you have the, and again, it's not as super cold as it is up it, uh, where we are in New York City because it's a little bit lower and like you get like the, the, the outer periphery of the cities covered in poppies and it looks like it uh, like turns red, magic 
like, uh, and then the, the, the orange blossoms start coming out. And for whatever reason, in that part of the world, the, the, the taste and smells of the foods are so, so like in your like body and senses. It's, it's very intoxicating. You don't really need any other, you smell and you're just kind of like, ah, oh, <laughs> elevated like two or three uh, levels. And so spring in particular is very energizing and very like life affirming for our senses or human senses. And of course you can see all the other creatures and things coming out and starting to smell and buzz and uh, experience that. So the peoples that way back when, and all, uh, when the first, uh, I would say the one godish kind of uh, uh, religions or Astrian was kind of coming together, even though they were still borrowing a lot of the uh, more pagan. It's kind of one of these kind of things where it's like you do not know, you cannot put words to it because it doesn't have a face, or a, a, even though the kings would like to say, "Well, we're the connection to that," it always like good religions kind of say, well, this, this, no matter what, there's like, there's no way for our perception to understand it in words. And that kind of frees you and allows nobody. I mean, people want to be, I can inter interpret it and I'm, so I'm, I'm close to God, you know, give me power. It's really not about that for me. It's about knowing that that unknown is shared for everybody equally. Mm -hmm. And we need to go inwards to figure out that unknown for ourselves and being in that moment of not knowing, which is magic. Um, so here we go with the, the, the Zoroastrian religion, fire, and uh, uh, and there's so many beautiful, like like starting the equinox, uh, and even before that, there's fires put on top of rooftops. And but in those days, most buildings were made out of uh, you know uh, uh, mud, sand, and straw of a cob or adobes and so you could easily put a fire on top there like uh, fireproof uh, and, and actually quite good with earthquakes too um, and so they would put these fires on top of the things to kind of welcome the old spirits that now are coming to uh, to you know uh, generations past spirits to come uh, and, and and connect to the people who are now experiencing the change of the seasons etc so there was this beautiful, uh, you could imagine, like, instead of all these lights and TVs kind of blurbing out of the window tops, you have these gorgeous lights and fire on top of uh, uh, the uh, roofs, kind of asking for the spirits of uh, generations past to come and share their uh, wisdom, their beauty uh, with the community and the community kind of sharing that together. Uh, um, so, you know, you had your own. Uh, 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 you know, reality life versus show. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so, so that fire, and uh, because it was so like the key part of keeping people warm through these cold winters, food, uh, even like creating different materials out of uh, metals and things, was put into like a very high. Uh, a temple, a temple of fire, which uh, was created so people could go if they had fire ever ran out, etc. It's kind of like your electric grid. You would go there and get fire from the temple and make sure that you had heat and warmth and all of those things. 
and they were just beautiful. beautiful. So people would literally go there if they ran out of fire in their own abodes and they would bring like yes. a log or something and just put it on fire and bring it back home? Yes, or they could even like get charcoals. I, I, I mean, I'm just making this up now, but uh, you, know, <laughs> you could get uh, charcoals that you would put and then throw some, you know, a little bit of straw in there when it would come up. Uh, you know, so uh, yeah, I mean, and, and, and there's a beautiful ritual that still exists where young people uh, would go out for the first time, like the teenagers, etc., on their own into the, uh, you know, the, the woods or the desert or wherever it is to gather the wood or the thorns or whatever uh, is there to bring back to the center of town where, again, there's a communal fire uh, that is placed. And this is not to jump over. This is to really, like, show what the the community's uh, young people's, like, first act of, like, heart fire that they're putting into the center of town. And there's a big, giant bonfire that then, that at the end of that fire, the fire is taken and put into the temple also uh, so that it would it would continue that uh, the power that 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 brings i wonder if that's where we get the term a flame you know how there is that expression that when you're in love with someone or you're uh romantically involved with someone that you have a flame with them mm-hmm. that makes sense that mm-hmm. makes sense <laughs> that's, that's beautiful i love that story arash yes yes i i i, I and, and i've always like like being in iran and again uh, I just was drawn to fire. I was just like, I just sat in front, even then there, there's, there's like, uh, how, you know, I would just sit in front of it and just stare. And for like, you know, I could go, like, just not even eat for a week if I just said that fire would, would keep going. Uh, so we we're not talking from 2,500 years ago to now, where as a, a little boy, uh, and uh, my father worked for the uh, uh, oil company, uh, and there was a club that those people who worked there, or my dad who worked there, and everybody else would come to this big, giant courtyard uh, where um, uh, they'd been gathering, not the young people, but whoever went and got like uh, um, uh, 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 like uh, thorn uh, bushes and dried woods and things, and they would make one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, however many, it's just like a giant courtyard, eight bonfires uh, or eight bundles of wood, then they would set them on fire and it would literally be like three people high at the top of the flame, three, four people (laughs) high and, and, you know, (laughs) and it's like nine of them, right? So in a big giant circle and, uh, you know, of course, you can wait to whenever level the, the fire is. But, you know, people who really like, and, and myself, and I was like, I don't know, not right. But I would just like run, run, run. And if you go fast enough through these fires, you basically can, like the fire opens up and it lets you through. Now, given, you know, a few uh, eyelashes and things are going to go off and uh, singe, et cetera. But I would just spend like, you know, good two or three hours just going through these flames, like uh, hopping, hopping, da- dancing, you know, this music, and people are just like fireworks and everything. But the fires, I would just like travel through these uh, beautiful, and it's just like, it's almost like an embrace and a let go. And you go, and wh- when would these fires start uh, date wise? Yes, um, it is usually 
and, and, and still is to this time. And I'll give you the story of where even why people did that. Zoroastrians don't jump through the fire. Like for them, it's it, uh, fire, that central fire is it's, it's, it's sacred. You know, you don't like want to step in it or run through it, etc. Um, but there was a story that he's kind of seen as pretty valid that uh, the, uh, that uh, makes sense that there was a time when uh, the uh, Zoroastrian lost to the different tribes that came and won, um, and the I think it was during the beginning of Islam, etc. So um, and you know there were some awesome people who uh, were leading it, and some people who were very kind of cruel and punishment kind of things. They didn't have a sense of like you can have your own religion. This was a legal uh against uh, religion type of thing no one should uh you know uh, and of course these are folks who are also still wanting to have their own nation and are fighting to keep that uh, old tradition of zoroastrian going so what they did i think which is kind of a terrible thing it's the story is it true 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 maybe maybe not but uh they they um uh, said, okay, well, you guys, if you love your fire so much and you're still trying to keep your thing, we're going to throw you in the fire. And so they burned a lot of the Zoroastrians who were still like uh, wanting to keep their traditions and things into the fire. Um, and uh, That's so sad. That's so hurtful to hear that, that that happened and that these kind of things uh, still happen when so much of... Mm -hmm religion and spirituality is about the heart and compassion and mm -hmm. uh, really being able to be empathetic in understanding oneness. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm sad to hear that, but I think what you're getting at is there's something that, some kind of beauty that came out of that? <laughs> well, what, the, the beauty that did come out of that was that the folks, even though majority of people at that time had kind of converted to Islam, etc., they still honored those people who were burnt and said that in support of what they did, they were going to those who were perished. Um, it may be also that those who were perished, they, you know, for the one time, they, they were like so outnumbered apparently in, in these uh, last uh you know, crusades or whatever it was that they were trying to keep their things, that for them to gain courage, they kind of jumped through fire or did something with fire or uh, that really kind of uh, made them uh, be strong and, and, and be able to kind of go and ask for what they want. But uh, so what has happened, and particularly in Iran, who was, you know, was very uh, lucky and able to keep their language um, uh, and, and traditions, it has kept this particular uh, tradition of fire jumping. And, you know, even as recently as, like, I don't know, the last that 10, 15 years, people have really tried to shut it down. They're like, no, you can't do it. But it's so strong in everybody's, and it's so fun, too, <laughs> that, that, that people just illegally do it in mm -hmm. Iran. And it doesn't matter. And it's like people are like, this is the one thing that like, almost like 99.9% of people love and really just look forward to because it's so cathartic. Mm -hmm. It's so kind of like allowing it's a beautiful, like uh, a song where you're singing, you're saying the old things that I no longer need or the transformative part of me that 
needs to change. I, you know, I let go of those things into the fire. The yellow of mine is yours. I let go of that. And I take the red, the, the regenerative the power that is in the fire into my spirit and transform those things that I need to change. Right? So that each, course, each person who's jumping through the fire is saying that? They're singing it and they're saying it. Okay. Uh, and, and, you know, like it's in communion. So everyone who's running and even people on the outside of the ring are singing this together. And, and it's, it's, it's kind of a very, and I, you know, I, would, I was kind of like, whoa, this is the best, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you just felt, and, and the fire again uh, knows, like, I, I, I truly like people say, like, people who really know fire, they feel it like there's a life and a liveness to it that understands that certain times, even like in, in uh, big wildfires in different uh, parts of uh, the world, it will jump over a, 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 a house. Like all houses would burn except for one. It would actually jump over it for whatever reason it is. There are things and it, 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 it has a very powerful sense of uh, being. Um, I love how you're presencing fire as a life form uh, mm -hmm. that's has its own ways of engaging with with the world, with other elements, and has its own uh, character and characteristics. And that's something that might not be obvious to to us, but uh, yeah, I love that. I know there is that concept also in terms of the uh, idea of jinn, uh, which comes out of a, lo a lot of different Middle Eastern traditions of just understanding that uh, just like there's life that's based on earth, which would be human and mammalian life, there's also life that's uh, created from fire. Uh, so. Yes, and if you think about it, you know, fire means food, so it needs the, the fuel, and mm -hmm. it, it takes that. It needs to breathe, it needs oxygen, it needs mm -hmm. air, mm -hmm. so it, it takes air and the fuel, and it becomes alive, and it needs a kind of a a spark or this kind of an energy that brings it out. It could be a lightning or it could be just so much hot and friction and then it becomes to life and it becomes its entity and it, as long as there's food and there's air, it keeps on life and then as it uh, those go away, it comes back to it, uh, you know, it goes down again and becomes ash and moves on. Mm -hmm. And again, it leaves this precious ash that can be compost to so many uh, plants and good things in some places in the world without that fire you will not have a new set of trees growing like seeds grow specifically for the fire right right you know what's fascinating about uh this jumping through the fire is your phone going on fire <laughs> i see that you're you know i mean the viewers or the audience can't see us but you know, I know that your hands are hot. You have to put the. <laughs> uh, so it seems like you're definitely presencing fire. And I'm wondering, just in light of uh, invocation, what is it that you're and that we are invoking in Naruz? What is uh, these? What are these rituals invoking uh, during this time of year? Well, you know, um, one of the things, obviously, with uh, the the Chashambasuri part of the Noruz is that you're um, connecting uh, in, in a different way than when we're in you know apartments and uh, you know separate spaces. I call them apartments because they're like people are apart. 
but you're kind of going out together, finding the sticks, the woods, the things that you need for the fire to work. You're finding a community space where people could come and put things together. And this is kind of, you know, rare in New York City of all places to be to, to be able to do that. Now, uh, in many places like Iran and play, uh, that, you know, people have access uh, again, like different in Tehran than it would be somewhere where it's a village where, you know, things are more uh, uh, based in nature. Uh, at the same time, uh, here in New York, it's like the extreme, extreme, like, uh, you know, where do you find wood? People like have to like bring it in. You have to buy it from like a deli, you know, pieces of wood. Uh, and luckily, like with what I work with, which is the community gardens, uh, I feel like I've been blessed to have you know, we always trimming. I've gone on a trim, you know, like a, 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 a pruning team where I collect wood. And, you know, even uh, at the end of the resources like the, the uh, pine trees or the Christmas trees that are being left out, I can collect those as a, like a precious commodity and smells, you know, depending on how they've been treated or how they've grown. Uh, they're just amazing uh, resources that we collect in New York City to bring together uh, to then uh, use as an offering to the fire. You know, I love that you do that, Arash. I know that, you know, you've done that with the solstices as well, is just really carrying forth these ancient traditions within, again, like this very concrete jungle within uh, the space of people running from one thing to another, this inability to pause or stop because we're so consumed in distraction. I want to get into that. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's something that I'm really interested in, especially because so many of us are engaged in this modern frequency of busy, 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 of uh, just, you know, just being engaged with uh, the swivel door uh, of life and living in these areas where uh, n nature might not be as bountiful, uh, whether it's in urban or suburban areas where there is, as you mentioned, the term being apart. But before we go there, I'm, you know, I, I wonder if you could uh, go back a little bit to the history uh, and like situate sure. us yeah. a little bit deeper in this you know, where you kind of led us up into like the jumping through the fire, you know, what, what, what else, what else about the history? What came after that? Yeah. So, so kind of went back in my own little history of when I was little and was jumping through these fires and kind of eventually found out, uh, why that particular ritual was created. Uh, there's always been a, a key aspect of having fire before the end of the year. And, as uh, uh, so some people know, the new year or the, the, the no ruse means new day or the new beginning of the year. And the, the vernal equinox is the exact time where the new year starts. Hmm. Wait, so does, uh, I, you know, I'm making this connection in my head as you're speaking in terms of no and like it's, uh, you know, it's connection to the word new uh, and, you know, it's phonetically almost very similar. Ruse almost reminds me of rose. I'm wondering if there's a connection there or what does uh, ruse mean? Ruse means day. Okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, a rose, uh, which has one less vowel, uh, is, uh, is the flower. Mm. Uh, so rose, ruse. Um, 
and uh, it's possible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the dawning of a new day, red rose. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, so, so, yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally, totally see that. Um, the, the, the part of the, the, the fire at, at the end of the year having, and it's symbolic in some ways, because, you know, the, the dark is becoming lighter, the days, this is now the time where, you know, the equal amount of night and day. So light is now, you know, in some ways now more than the dark uh, uh, part of the day. And so this fire is almost like encouraging, loving, and bringing people together to celebrate this new time where things are now going to be growing, coming out of the earth, feeding you, you know, you uh, being in the uh, older times, you didn't have the deli where you could have papayas and cherries or whatever, strawberries in the middle of winter, you would have the time, this like probably running out of all your food <laughs> that you've been storing and getting <laughs> over the winter. And this light fire is welcoming the growth, the food, the, the systems that are now going to be coming into place. Uh, and uh, uh, so it's a very, very like, uh, it, Part. Like if you talk to farmers, they would be like, "Yeah, oh, of course, this is it. This is the time." Uh, most people now are so detached from how the food system and nature and time works uh, mm -hmm. that uh, that celebration of how important it is that now we're able to plant those seeds into the ground and grow again. And again, I just want to like put emphasis on like this is true for the. Uh, parts where it's not the tropics. The tropics, they have food all year round, and you know there isn't that cold winter and the you know warmer summers needed. Even though there's some shifts, it's not as you know needed, and that is an abundance. So we're talking about a part of the earth that kind of uh, you know is higher up into the uh, um, you know the, the season changing and becoming obviously so. Well, what's um, interesting about that. Uh, Arash is that there are many cultures, even more equatorial cultures, like in the Indian subcontinent in Bangladesh and India, where the spring is celebrated as the new year. And in, in Vedic culture and Hindu culture, you have Holi, which is the celebration that many people might be familiar with by way of like the exchange of paint and color and throwing colors at one another. There's also celebrations in Thailand and other countries as well. So what is it about the vernal equinox? What is it about this time of year that is so sanctimonious, is so full of you know this idea of being new and starting again i i mean again i'd go back to the nature part where you know there is that you know trees are now starting to turn green that there's pull of that energy from the earth and up mm. and that kind of feeds us literally both in the sense of uh uh, the, the, the being able to come out, see each other, uh, the, the be, you know, like I, I lived in Wisconsin as well, and I didn't see people for like four months wow. because it was like so much snow. Yeah, it was like snow uh, three feet high and everything. And then you would be like, oh my God, you know, people are now coming out of their inward time or the inner space, literally because you can even open the door sometimes uh, with the snow outside. 
but here now there's this re rebuilding of community planting of seeds and again there's a need for community to come work together to you know make sure the soil is ready the the the, 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 the harvest is coming together and people who support that like that was a key aspect of community is is that new part of re redoing life for food and uh, uh and so you know people would be singing songs like i know places in the world where people sing to the cherry blossoms so that uh, you know it, they bloom right before they bloom or if it's late they really have to sing a lot mm -hmm. um and in a way it's possible that without that singing they may not bloom but we just see there's uh you know, you know that's just such a key part of us being connected to nature and that vernal uh, part of it is so much excitement not to even mention like hormones and uh, uh, mm -hmm. like the, the 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 kind of the drive of uh, you know of procreation that's mm -hmm. so much part of that that really also shoots up especially for younger people uh, it, it's it's almost you know like a lot of uh, I think uh, uh, characters in uh, in uh, comic books it's almost like that that you know you turn into the hulk because there's so much energy and in, in your body that's like you're transformed into something else that is running through your body and uh, so it's spring in particular brings a lot of that out in the fore and uh, I, I felt really actually quite intensely I felt how hard it might be for last year when at springtime everyone's like you got to stay in all the young people had to stay in and it couldn't have that you know it's almost like a, a part of your genes that says you must go and commune with the opposite and you know where you have to be out and commune and 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 you know procreate or whatever it is that needs to be it's just it's part of our society right and what i'm what i'm hearing and my takeaway from this is intimacy like the importance yes. of intimacy and intimacy being a part of and you know i love the way you again like you uh you put that term apart in context like instead of being a part being a part of uh and coming together in collaboration and community uh and there's a certain level of intimacy that is irresistible during this time of year it's uh and it's oh, irrepressible yeah. as well like from what i'm hearing and what you you know what you've said just similar yeah. to this antsiness that a lot of people are feeling now with covid especially as the weather gets nicer it's it's unnatural for us not to be mm -hmm. in congregation in yeah. gregarious i'm wondering in terms of ritual and rituals of you know like one you mentioned that is possible is how there might be this singing to cherry blossoms and that might create more growth and that might you know that might actually be directly related to bloom of the cherry blossom are there any specific rituals besides the jumping through the fire with naruz oh yes you know after you know that particular ritual and actually right around, and I'd say even a week before that, you are starting to put little sprouts, uh, and these are wheat sprouts, uh, specific ones where they, you know, you know, because not all wheat nowadays in the supermarket will grow, but you need it to be, because that's spelt wheat or wheat that, you know, has the husk hasn't been removed and everything. Um, and you would put those uh, in a bowl of water uh, uh, and uh, have it start sprouting, you spread it, and then you have this 
central piece of a table that is created for Nowruz, uh, and it's called the half sin. Uh, and the, these are the S's. So there's the seven, and there's actually more than seven, but uh, you know, there's these seer, which is a garlic, which um, uh, is for medicine. Um, so that is placed in a bowl, like full of garlic. Um, then there's one for uh, seep. It's like an apple. So it's it's about uh, um, uh, kind of the, uh, it's almost like magic in some ways. There's sumac. Uh, which is uh, the uh, seedlings or the flower parts of the sumac tree. That's also placed in there. Um, I don't remember exactly what that is. There's uh, there's uh, wine or the vinegar part of the wine, sake, which is also um, uh, helps with like maturity, growth. Uh, um, and so there's just all the different S's that you place, but sabzi or sabze, which is the green uh, in Farsi, saps means green, and the sabze is the, the kind of like the, the sprouts that have come up. It could be also lentil as well as mung beans and uh, wheat, uh, and they're centrally placed because this is spring and this is the growth of the green that we're so connected to. And so this tradition of like the, the, the whole uh, a table is covered and the families come together at exactly the vernal equinox around this candles lit there's a mirror there's usually a book of poetry uh, Hafiz or Sadi or Rumi depends on your way uh, which would usually Hafiz uh, and um, uh, and they're all placed on the table and people come and you know just love each other, share presence, but it's really being together. Now, in the old Zoroastrian days, that lasted 13 days. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, I think there uh, was birthday in the middle, and, and people came together, sang, danced, celebrated the 13 days, offered things to you know, whoever offerings are supposed to give to. And then... Um, Similar thing actually was the second new year in the harvest season. So the other equinox was also a new year or the end of the new kind of whatever. And so for 13 days, people would then have all the food and seeds and things that had been planted, shared food, and had a similar celebration for 13 days on the other equinox. So then for 13, these 13 days, uh, either in the vernal vernal equinox or the autumnal equinox, people, would people stop working or would they continue working? But like at night, just like we might do now, it's like, okay, let's, let's all get together. Or was it just 13 days of celebration? It's 13 days of celebration. In Iran, there's 13 days holidays. It's like Christmas holidays. There's 13 days. And on the last 13th day, uh, people will take those sabzis, and I don't know what that tradition came from, but you kind of tie it, you make a wish, and you kind of throw it into the rivers. And I could create new little greens all over the place, mm-hmm. or you could, like, you know, uh, so yeah, so that, that uh, 13 days is holiday, uh, where in the Zoroastrian tradition, the, the other 13 days is also taken off and celebrated as well, not so much in Iran anymore. But it has, it definitely has that uh, uh, time off right, and to right. celebrate. I mean, people like travel all over the, the place to meet their families. And, you know, in those 13 days, you kind of go and 
you know, in order of importance, meet the different family members and uh, share and uh, do that. Why is that part important? Why is the why is the ordering of meeting family members important during the vernal equinox in Naruz? Well, you know, again, I, uh, I guess in the old villages time, you know, families were all kind of like centered around each other, et cetera. Uh, and you would, you know, celebrate those 13 days at the same time. But now with, you know, somebody lives in Tehran, some family members are in Shiraz. I see, the, I see. Out, this is the time when people will go and, you know, either uh, drive or get to the, you know, it's, it's, it's again, as we say that this, the, the, the civilization has kind of broken a lot of the older uh, community energy that actually helped with a lot of the challenges we have now because people are like, oh, you know, we're going to make a better car and this. And I'm just like, why don't you make a better question? How do you, you know, not drive a car in the mm. first place? You have, you know, why do you need a car? I need to get to my work. Well, why don't you have your work close to you? Okay. okay. Well, why do you need a car to then visit family? Why don't you have your family here instead of Florida? You know, et cetera, et cetera. So just really asking a question on how best to, you know, not make the car better, but actually not need to travel in the first place to have, you know, I definitely make a good car that, you know, is, is, is energy efficient, but don't travel so much in the first place, like make a community place for your own, uh, you know. Arash, you're, you know, you're speaking to the heart of the uh, concept of uh, that gave rise to co- the Cosmic uh, Medicine Show, which is essentially considering this concept in Ayurveda, the ancient medical system of the Indian subcontinent, uh, which is as without, so within. And the understanding of that uh, for me and it being a mantra uh, for the show is that our health and our well-being is essential, and it's, but it's also inextricably tied to everyone else around us. So if you're hurt, I'm hurt. If I'm hurt, you're hurt. And so how do we translate something like Naruz, which is so grounded in community, so rooted in, in this village culture of celebration, of coming together, of having a fire, how do we translate that in such a fragmented, in a culture that's so steeped in individualism. And when I say a culture, I do mean the modern world. I don't necessarily mean any one specific country at this point, but pretty much in most parts of the world, unless you're in a remote village, there's this uber urbanization that's taken place in the past 40, 50 years that's led to us a deep level of uh, fragmentation of uh, families and a deep level of individualism. So how do we translate something like Naruz in a way that can still be meaningful and still at its essence embody this community component to it? That's a, it's a, it's a big question. It's a deep question. And, and, you know, I believe those particular, you know, questions are actually the most important part, right? As, as, we were talking about asking a question kind of opens the gateway to a new way of even thinking and being. So just your question, I think, is a key part of allowing 
whatever comes from that. And, and I have no exact answer. And I think each community, each place in this world will find its own solutions, very different ones, I am sure. Uh, and knowing that having, as, as one would like, the, the homogenous, have your fridge, have your air conditioning, everything is, uh, is not going that that particular path has already kind of seen how how uh, how uh, uh, off the off the path has become, you know, and and it's made a lot of the part of our earth inhospitable for our existence. Um, so how do one uh, it, where your area is are able to then reconnect with that nature? or the part of the nature that still is able to be regenerated. A lot of it is turned into grass or desert or who knows what, where, or cement even, as we talk to New York City here, how does one kind of bring a sense of uh, a community, love, uh, interconnectedness, and how does each one of us find that within ourselves and able to then share that with other like-minded or like-hearted people? Uh, I think that will be very exciting to see how it uh, comes about. Now, Noru is it's a time of balance, right? The, the, there's a shift where the light, the dark the, uh, are coming together. How does one find a balance within ourselves at this time that allows for the changing? And I think there is going to be a huge amount of changes. Uh, like I, I think the COVID is only just a uh, kind of a, a test, uh, and much bigger tests are coming uh, for that kind of balance to be in a place where we can align ourselves with other, our hearts, our spirits, and share that with other people. Um, so I think that example of the balance in Nauru's, uh being in our heart fire. So yes, we can have the outside fire, but how does one connect to your own heart fire and then are able to share that in a way which doesn't burn other people, but also it gives warmth and love to others around us. What a great uh, question in terms of balance and finding uh, that fire within uh, the heart fire. Uh, I love that imagery. I'm, you know, uh, I could just imagine myself being in front of a fire and have that fire being my own heart fire and wondering how I can grow this fire in a way that's nourishing versus one that could be consuming and uh, potentially harmful for others because there is that balance within uh, fire as well. Like in Ayurveda, everything is these elements, the five elements. And if there's too much fire, that can lead to things like anger, irritability, violence, uh, diarrhea. Mm -hmm. And then when there's uh, a balance in fire, that fire is essential for our digestive health and digestion, not just in terms of the food that we put into our body, but these type of conversations or interactions with other people. And so much of this concept of heart fire is now making me think about love. Uh, mm -hmm. hmm. mm -hmm. Are there any poems from Hafiz or other poets that are more prominent during, uh, during uh, Naruz than 
others? I mean, I, but what happens a lot of times with Hafez poetry is one makes a particular uh, question or an intention or the, the inward challenge that might be coming up and one then opens the book to answer that specific uh, intention. And there's a reading that you would read it and then what the underlying meaning it means for your particular intention uh, and so it, it's a it's 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 a wonderful way of kind of connecting to the poet the poem and your own inner desire for change mm-hmm. and which so I would highly encourage folks to you know get the Hafez book uh, Danny Lewinsky does a great job it, and the the way actually I would say uh, Danny Lewinsky Lidwinski does it is actually he was inspired by his dreams mm-hmm. through the spirit of Hafez. Wow. So he didn't actually translate Hafez word by word or even translate it like somebody who would do Lorca. But a spirit of Hafez came and his right, we would never find it like almost, but it was, it's much more for me in this moment in English uh, language. Versus, I think, the language Hafez, which if you're reading Farsi, makes more sense. And even so, it was from, you know, pastor generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, the, his, he, I, you know, again, some people are like, well, he didn't even translate it. Or didn't but I, mm-hmm. I feel that spirit, that Hafez, and I believe, uh, like, whatever the spirit of the energy that even came to Hafez, was similar to the one that came through because it's so easy to like name like oh the Hafiz is the the person and this person I believe there's like bigger bigger spirits that come through us mm-hmm. and allow us uh, to you know match our wavelengths and create magic and creativity and and how do, how does that happen how does it happen where these bigger spirits come through us. Again, it's that balance, you know, knowing your where, why you're here on this earth, or even not knowing, but asking the question: mm-hmm. Why am I on this planet? What mm-hmm. what brought me here? And being able to then, you know, in your dream time, it will come, and your date, you know, that, that that's when you're able to see the vibrations of who, why, why this, and, and doors open all the time that way. You're mm-hmm. able to have people with similar energy come and connect and say, oh, yeah, you're doing this uh, living tree stuff for Irish in, in the middle of New York City. Oh, yeah, let me show you this restaurant that would probably love to have these uh, trees planted in their outdoor restaurants, etc." And another person would be like, oh, yeah, you know what? I have all these ideas of different plants that you climb up these things and uh, feed people on the outside and so forth. So a lot of uh, like physical and spiritual stuff will start, you know, connecting with your true uh, intentions and balance mm-hmm. and magic. I love the presencing of this, this concept of balance and how you just did that right now between like day and night and doing that by way of like dreams and dream questions and then transferring that into daylight. So here are these dreams and messages and signs that you might receive 
based on questions you have, etc., in the evening and night during your sleep time? How does that become more than just a compartment of that time? How does it some how is it something that continues to guide you through the day? I love that and I love some of these rituals that seem like they're very much doable. They're very accessible. Do you have any other suggestions or how do you going back to what you you know you started on earlier with the wood you know collecting wood in New York City, uh, how do you engage with Naru's with balance with this first fire in in New York in the modern world in urban America. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's another another wonderful question. Um, I had to like uh, just in the recent past. Like I, I tend to be a very active, love to dance, do a lot <laughs> of motions and things. And I felt in this particularly last year the energy. I've been kind of pushing on and again, fueling myself with great foods, great stuff, et cetera. And kind of like just a little over the amount that's necessary, just for whatever reason, I had to slow myself down. So I actually fasted. I fasted for three days on water and slowed my body down. Uh, so I'm not just, you know, just like, you know, feeding the fire, uh, just slowing it down so that I could be here in in my body mm. just really like seeing what is going on and then slowing the mind process again that some buzzing away and doing some meditation doing some kind of slowing down of seeing how much stuff streams through the mind all the time and kind of acknowledging it um and then also uh, knowing that i had to kind of move my body in a way to re engage myself in my own body like i think we carry traumas from either millions of generations back as well as ones that we've inherited as well as ones that happen to us in this lifetime and uh, I, I actually saw rowan white uh, uh, who's an amazing uh, uh, uh indigenous uh, 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 uh person of this turtle island um, and she was talking about how people have taken so much of the uh, conqueror uh, uh, energy in their bodies and to kind of re-take that body back again, like it somatically has to be done. So it has to be done through the physical body as much as the mind is also important, but it can't do it by itself. It needs to, we need to re-embody our bodies and reclaim the differences of that, uh, like not being the this shape or that shape, and just having that somatic re retrieving uh, uh, or regeneration of loving who we are in this body, in this place, on wow. this earth, uh, and so I think that was a very key part of my slowing things down before this balance of time to gain balance and be able to then see, okay, I need to now move on these steps. And I think this could be done every moment if you're just going, ah, okay, stop, slow down, and then allow that slowness to show what the next step is. Mm -hmm. So one of the rituals that is possible during this time of year as we're in the space of equanimity, equinox, is uh, slowing down, is mm -hmm. taking in 
uh, our bodies, of reclaiming our bodies. That's such a, that's so big, you know, thinking about what you're saying about uh, this somatic process of being, uh, re-embodying our bodies. I don't even know that I'm fully understanding <laughs> the extent of what that means. Uh, how do you do that? How do you re-embody this body? Like, are, are you, how do you grow aware that you're in an alien body? Yeah, there, there are actually beautiful somatic workers out there that mm. support this. Mm. And, uh, I don't exactly remember the name of the persons. Uh, um, there are actually somatic uh, activist movements uh, mm. uh, that are led by very, very powerful, beautiful people mm. that take you out and kind of like really engage that. I can uh, send you the links to those. Uh, I just, it's not on top of my uh, uh, uh yeah, no, that would be that would be awesome. I yeah. think that would be really useful, and I'll put it in the liner notes. Uh, so cool. the rit one of the rituals that sticks out for me uh, that seems the most accessible is the seven uh, dishes that you know. I, I love the idea of like each of these having an S to them, and of course, from the way you described it, each of them also having a specific. Uh, symbolism to them, like for instance, garlic being one of the seven and representing medicine. Uh, so, is that something that people can engage in as well? Is or does it have to look uh, the way that it's done traditionally? Can it look different? How, how would you recommend engaging in in something like that? I I can totally it's 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 a, a, a very fun process, and you know again. Uh, it's almost like creating a ritual table for spring uh, and that ritual space of uh, powering your, you know, medicines, magic. Uh, like an altar? It is like an altar. It's, it's a big spring. <laughs> yeah, and it has a mirror so you can look back on yourself and what you've done through the last year. There's the uh, eggs that has that circularity. There's uh, just, just on and on and on. It's, it's all symbols of like how to gain power and look forward to this new year. Uh, and I'll send another link of, you know, the, the, the details uh, of each one of those S's and uh, what it means uh, specifically. So if people really wanted to uh, create their own version. Uh, and again, I would just encourage people to just have fun and not necessarily if you feel like, uh, uh, you know, instead of an egg, you need to have, uh, um, you know, I'm just going to see something cyclical, a stone or something or whatever it is that gives you that turning of the, it could be sand, you know, the ocean is always turning the seashells by turning the seashells into little pieces of sand. It could be anything. Uh, that could be your, your, uh, spring offer and spring power. That Wait, was the egg a part of the, part of the seven? It's not one of the seven, but it's another symbol that people paint their eggs. It's kind of like probably the whole Easter egg stuff came from that. Mm. But uh, you you paint the eggs at, uh, you know, some people intricately, fantastically beautiful. Uh, or you just like what we do um, in my household is during the uh, time of the new year uh, and 
we paint what we want to transform and like we draw things that we want to change in there and then place it on the altar and share it with each other. So there's like a story of the changes within us that we want to uh, uh, nurture through this new year and this equinox. And that's something you do with the egg or? The egg and the, you know, you boil it, you make sure it's like, you know, and then you paint on it the, the, now this is this is more of a like my own family personally right, so it's right. not uh, it's not universe you know people just make really cool looking things and, <laughs> right necessarily right. But, uh, yeah there's like paisleys and all sorts of things on them but I would just encourage people to just go at it and say this is my you know spring altar yes I can get inspired by some of the run and stuff that's there because it makes sense but it might be that you know, there isn't that much sumac growing. Actually, there is like a actually indigenous uh, sumac that grows uh, here. Hmm. Uh, but there might be things that, uh, you know, there might be instead of like wheat, they want to grow some kind of a uh, more, uh, I don't know, maybe sprouts from quinoa, you know. Right. Like quinoa has great sprouts, so it's a little bit harder. Right. But, you know, uh, so you could honor the, the land that we're on here on Turtle Island and uh, be able to... Uh, create your own versions of the offering of spring brings to us and even plant, plant some of those around you so that it keeps giving back. And I know you've done some of these celebrations in the community garden in the Lower East Side. Have you done uh, Naruz before in the community garden? With the, the Noruz part, because it's so much like uh, an in-family kind of thing, mm -hmm. um, we do bring like the like uh, some of that uh, and people like Sizdahbedar, the thirteenth day mm -hmm. of the you know, thing. That's when people go out to like some kind of a river or to mm -hmm. throw the sabze into the river and picnic and the kind of outdoor thing. The Noru's part, or the, the the New Year's Day part, people kind of go into their closest family, have their tables, and share that. And there might be a party at, at nighttime or something, uh, but usually it's more of like a celebratory family, uh, individual right. kind of uh, smaller thing. From my my experience, but there are parties uh, as you go visiting other people, and now with the party world, there are like big huge Noru's parties and big, huge, but Sizdabedar tends to be the one where people come out and, uh, you know, dance and sing and celebrate. You know, that's reminding me of the re-embodying the body that you were saying, talking about mm -hmm. with uh, the number 13 and 13 <laughs> having this connotation of almost evil or bad luck, etc. Uh, you know, within a Western context, so just right. reconceiving uh, 13 as something that is celebratory. Uh, mm -hmm. sure. mm -hmm. And I think originally 13 was a very powerful witch number. Hmm. And the reason it was made uh, bad was to kind of drive away the pagan or the aspect of 13 uh, by negatizing it, just like you know, even the, the the image of the devil having horns and tails, that's like part of nature. Uh, animals have horns, they have tails, they mm. have uh, things. And so the image of nature to be conquered and destroyed and killed was put into the devil. Otherwise, I mean, there's much worse uh, things that happen 
by human right. nature that is like anything like nature you know it's like you know a waste and uh plastics and all sorts of other things that are right. far worse than a uh you know a goat looking creature <laughs> <laughs> right right you know what's coming up for me Arash, as we're you know we start to wrap up is on the one hand, Naruz is something that's, you know, this really beautiful celebration of springtime, and that's universal. It's something that is, you know, it's as natural as life itself. It's, you know, it's a reflection of that in human culture. But then there, it's also culturally specific. So how do we engage in this exchange of culture in a way that's honoring of the culture it stems from and you know specifically i'm asking about naruz but i mean it's you know it's certainly a larger question uh again i, I think it, it it's a very sensitive and uh, uh uh well from the heart question that you're asking because i think uh, there is so much of borrowing and uh, not really giving credit to a lot of cultures and uh, elders and indigenous populations that happens so quickly um, and so fluidly uh, across the internets or uh, the, the travels and things that is very uh, wonderful to know, first of all, where your origins are from or not from or questions about that. So you can ground yourself firstly in your own being um, and having that so that's rooted. So that part of like being rooted in your uh, uh, heritage, in your own uh, thoughts about it and questions about it. And from that, then as you honor spring and again, um, kind of seeing what has spring meant for you, you know, how truly like what shifts within you and how that works. And then seeing other cultures that Specifically, I would say even uh, around where you are, finding who are the people who lived where you now live and how they honored this moment in time as a ship. And I promise you that there were some uh, uh, very significant uh, rituals and honoring of the earth. And if those folks are still around and they're still doing it, it's great to you know, ask for their wisdom and how best to give back to the land that's here with us. And uh, even as we discussed a little earlier, it's like asking that question is a key part. And, and even the trees or things that have been on the land will give you some answer or you will, uh, you know, uh, in their dreams or, or even writings or some, uh, some uh, magic uh, uh, symbol will come to you at that and those are really honoring it so you're deeply going within yourself finding your true self to kind of ask for those guys and of course as you find those particular answers and you see that okay uh, I feel like they're just like uh, Daniel Lewinsky who found Hafez coming through to him and honored Hafez's spirit in that way we can then honor either in physical form saying, yes, this is uh, the land we are on and we honor those who were here before us and we care for that. And I have now learned from my heritage, be it uh, uh, Iranian, etc., or a friend of mine who happens to be Iranian and has the Zoroastrian tradition that has been passed on. I 
really connected to that in, in, in a deep way. Uh, not just because it looks so cool and fun, but because it, in my true spirit, I saw that putting the garlic, that, that energy that has nurtured my family, myself, and uh, kept me in a good place, I need that to be honored and placed there. And in that way, then you can bring these rituals in a way which is true to yourself, true to the earth around us and those before us, and then the heritage that you have brought from maybe across the oceans or wherever you uh, are connected. Thank you so much, Arash, for taking the time, for being so generous with your knowledge and wisdom. And for, I mean, you know, so many people know you in the cultures of activism in New York City uh, because of the, you know, the monumental work you've done in building community in the community garden movement when community gardens were under attack and squatting the community gardens in the 80s, 90s, uh, and really being a leader in the truest sense of the leader, being someone who uh, really brings forth the light and uh, the leadership and strength of others uh, and just kind of being invisible in uh, your, your, your work and letting your work speak for yourself, your puppets. I mean, I've had the privilege of encountering entire generations, uh, that you've inspired and influenced in puppet making, uh, and you know, like the way in which, uh, that pup, puppet, pup, those puppets and that puppet making, uh, created this, uh, almost theater of the oppressed and this interaction between uh, people, uh, pedestrians and those who are engaging in the theater and building a conversation and dialogue and really presencing that in our conversation now with the equinox, the spring equinox and finding this balance and coming together uh, by way of the fire of the heart uh, to do that. So we didn't get into that and we're not going to get into that, but I, you know, I, it's so, you know, Arash is so huge. and uh, It's been, uh, you know, it's such an honor uh, to speak to him. So the one thing I will ask uh, just to conclude is, one is what are ways in which people could engage with the work that you're currently doing? I know you're doing this amazing project in the Bronx uh, where you've been, you know, you've been doing that for some years now and bringing young folks from the Bronx into uh, more of a natural setting where they learn to farm and garden, etc., uh, connecting people with their food source. Uh, in the context of this vernal equinox, you know, what are some things that you feel uh, are ways people can engage with uh, the work that you feel most passionate about? Well, you know, I, I think, uh, thank you. Thank you so much for your kind, kind and generous words. And it's been a pleasure uh, to, uh, you know, uh, so many beautiful spirits uh, uh, joined together to create such uh, celebration, magic, and all about the earth, keeping the earth with us. And, you know, to me, these gardens are revolutionary pieces of work because since the time of indigenous uh, folks where they shared the land and were part of the land and uh, uh, were on the land, now it had been taken away from the people and placed into little boxes, little uh, little uh, zones or uh, grids, and built upon and owned by. And this is probably the first time since the fires washed away the, uh, the buildings, people have reclaimed on their own these little chunks of land in the most 
toxics of places which were specifically targeted for people of color, people who had much less uh, and, and were able to reclaim it, grow it, may bring it back to life and share it with all those folks that they love dearly around themselves. So it's such a, a, a key part of our humanity to make sure these community gardens exist and, and keep on growing in this part of the world, New York City be it. And yes, those folks who have been doing this uh, do uh, need sometimes a respite to be able to make ways up into the mountains, into the forest, where a lot of that fullness of camaraderie of nature and how to learn from that and bring more of that back into New York City. And that is something that if folks want to go and support, would be wonderful, absolutely brilliant. This is what uh, we love doing. Um, uh, and here, right here in New York City, too, there are community gardens who may need your support to connect and actually need volunteers. You can go online and look at community gardens. There's a NYC Oasis map where you can find exactly the closest garden to you and uh, connect to that. Go there, uh, listen to the gardens. Uh, I'm sure you have a million thousand great ideas, but truly stay in the place of learning and listening, um, especially if it's some of the elder uh, community gardeners who've been doing this for generations and generations, so much wisdom, be in the place of hearing and, uh, and, uh, and honoring, and uh, you have so much, so much wisdom can come to you. And, you know, just sitting under a tree and you will get wisdom right there from that tree, especially if it's the older mother tree that is nurturing and connecting to all the other beings around it, including the humans. Uh, so uh, best of luck with all of those things. We have started a gorgeous farm upstate as well. So if people in as COVID uh, uh, shifts and goes, uh, we are welcoming people to create magical spaces up there too. And that's where a lot of those uh, beautiful community gardeners are coming to share uh, and learn uh, larger scale great great yeah and i i, my, I might be one of them <laughs> i might be i might be joining you soon uh and i want I, yeah that would be awesome and i i do want to presence them uh the, the importance of community gardens i've seen how what a major impact it had in the community i grew up in and uh what a major impact it had on uh, my mom who uh has always wanted a backyard or a garden you know we grew up in an apartment in Astoria, Queens, and the community garden allowed her to have access to land uh, and also engage with community in a way that wasn't possible uh, before. So, yeah, thank you for all that work. If people want to get in touch with you and any of the efforts that you're involved in, what, what would be the best way to do that? Moregardens.org uh, will have a link, phone number, all of those things to get in touch with me specifically. If you want to see my work as an artist separate from more gardens arish a-r-e-s-h dot info i-n-f-o you get to see some of the specific things that i do as an artist um so that's also uh has all the contact numbers to connect with me as well uh it, you just put arish javadi contact you'll find me 
Thank you so much, Arash. Uh, Arash Javadi, peace and blessings. Thank you so much, Asif Jan. Mm-hmm.